Hello, friends. Welcome to Find Hope, Live Well, a show about doing small things to make big changes in your life. I'm Grant Stenzel. My goal is to help you regain hope and walk with you down the path of healing. Through my experience as a licensed clinical professional counselor and former pastor, I enjoy helping individuals and families navigate through mental health issues. Today, we want to ask you how to successfully build more self-esteem and confidence. So in, in today's digital world, everyone is comfortable behind a screen, but not so much when it comes to face-to-face -face interactions. So let's talk a little bit about that. How does low self-esteem affect people's lives, would you say? Um, well, first, as we define self-esteem, is, is just their person's view of themselves and, and what they believe about themselves and how much confidence they have in who they are or how lack of confidence they have. You know, self-esteem is how we value ourselves. And the importance of self-confidence or, or um, self-esteem is as we value or don't value ourselves, we treat, we teach people how to treat us. Okay, and so I have a theory of what's called congruence. And so if you think you don't have much value, let's say you value yourself a three out of 10, you will allow people to treat you like a three out of 10. And that's my theory of congruence, is that we'll just let people treat us like garbage because we think we're garbage. However, if we believe we're an eight or a nine, um, we will not tolerate people treating us like a three, a four, a five. And so, you know, so that's one of the, the first importance I think of is, is as we choose relationships, as we choose jobs, um, as we choose what we allow or don't allow in our lives, a lot of that comes from our self-esteem because it looks at um, our view of ourselves and what we think we deserve or don't deserve. And now, obviously, on the opposite, we don't want to be so puffed up. Um, and I wouldn't consider that selfie, excuse me, healthy self-esteem either. Um, you don't want an, a puffed up view because that's that bubble's going to break. You know, when you think you can do this, that, and the other thing, and then you can't, you know, you're going to be pretty disappointed. And so we want to base it in reality. You know, I, I honestly hate every time I hear, you can do anything you want. Not true. Um, I'll never be an astronaut. I'll never play in the NBA. There's, there's many, many, many things I'll never do. Um, but that doesn't mean there's not some things I can accomplish. There's not some things that I'm specifically gifted to do. And I think it's more important to find out what your gifts and abilities, your desires are and grow in those and, and encourage those as opposed to thinking you can just do anything you want. And so, um, you know, I think um, it's also, you know, it's good to have goals. It's good to grow and be better. Um, but it also depends on how you um, define success. I think some people, if they define success as what their career looks like or how much money they make, um, you may or may not get there. Um, however, if that's in kind of an external goals, but if you have internal goals of joy, contentment, um, caring for others, that's easy to accomplish. Um, anyone can accomplish joy and contentment and um, feeling better about yourself and that's a realistic goal that's an internal goal that's something we can control you know you may be fortunate and be able to make a lot of money or not but you know honestly i i meet lots of people that make lots of money and aren't happy 
and many people that don't make much and are. And so again, it kind of goes back to uh, what your goals are and what, what you're looking for. So your self-esteem is not just how you, how you look at yourself, but also in some ways how you base how you base what success is. And so if I look at success as being a good person, uh, loving others, uh, being content and joyful, I can say, wow, I have self-confidence because I'm achieving my goals. But if you have unrealistic goals, you know what? Your, your confidence may uh, sputter. Totally. Those are all great points that I personally have never thought about or considered. So what tips do you have for someone struggling with their confidence? Uh, first and foremost is you're not alone. Um, we always think that we're the only person struggling with you know, self-confidence issues or we're the only person struggling with X, whatever it may be. You know, you know 100% of your fears. You know 100% of your struggles. You know 100% of the maybe shameful things in your life or the skeletons in your life. And you know probably 1% to 5% of everyone else's. So mathematically, you know, you would have to be 20 to 100 times better than someone for you to even consider your equal. And so just know that you know all your stuff and you know very little about everyone else. Everyone struggles. Everyone has issues to the most confident person you meet. And oftentimes those people are in sometimes even more insecure because they're overcompensating. Um, I think it's important to know that you have value and worth just because you are. You don't have to have value and worth because you're good at running or good at selling or, or you're pretty or whatever. You know, we have value and worth just because of, of who we are. And I put my confidence in a God who loves me, who created me to be wonderful, and is fully aware I'm not perfect. Yeah, those are all great points as well, and something that I think is really good for everyone to remember in all areas of their lives. So what is something a person can do daily to build up their confidence in social settings or even in one-on-one settings? That's a, that's a great question. I would say is figure out what would make you proud of yourself. You know, and sometimes as I'm working with clients with boundaries, you know, they may have a hard time asking for what they want or they may have a hard time standing up for themselves. Um, I would say, you know, let's find an instant this week where we can stand up for ourselves, or ask for something we need. Even if it's small as asking for a glass of water it's as small as you know asking, you know, someone to help you carry something. Um, you know, if it's for standing up, if someone is being mean to you, if someone is saying negative things to you, is to stand up and say, you know, what, I don't appreciate that. I would like you to stop, and just think about how you would feel after you did that behavior. You you would be proud of yourself. You'd be happy that here I am standing up for myself because when you stand up for yourself, you're showing yourself that you have value. We stand up for things that we think have value. You know, if, if people kill the, the cute baby seals in Canada, people all get upset because we have a perceived value of these seals. But if someone kills a rat, no one cares. Why? Because a rat has no perceived value. And so if you value yourself, you'll stand up for yourself. If you value yourself, you'll be upset if you're mistreated. And you will expect to be treated with value. And again, not puffed up, not overly, but treated as an equal human being. And that's so incredibly, incredibly um, important. And again, I, I talked about boundaries. Is 
deciding, you know, what you will take and what you will not take. And, you know, there's been times with friends that, you know, I feel that they've been too negative or in, you know, in some ways it's almost one-sided what they're always trying to take and not give. And I've had to just speak into that because I value myself enough to say that, you know, it's not my job to, to be everyone's savior and take care of everyone is I want friends that help me and I help them. And there's times and seasons that, you know, your friends might get more from you or less from you. And that's okay. Um, I think it's important to surround yourself with positive people. I think it's important to not be around negative people. Um, we are definitely affected by the words we hear. And speaking of that, no one speaks to you more than yourself. And so self-talk is so incredibly, incredibly important. If you are negative to yourself, if you go, oh, I'm such an idiot. Oh, I can't believe I did that. Oh, yeah, not shocking I failed. You know, in my sessions, if any client says any negative talk, I immediately stop the session. And I'm like, is that really true? And if, if they even struggle with, well, I don't know. I'm like, what would you tell a friend in that same situation? You know, if you're mad because, you know, you didn't get a certain job, and you must be a loser. And I'm like, would you tell your friend that? If your friend said, man, I feel like such a loser because I didn't get that job. What would you say to your friend? You would say, hey, that's okay. You know, and maybe that's not what you were made for, but you might have something else. You would speak positively to your friend. So don't speak poorly to yourself when you would speak positively to someone else. And so thinking kind of in third person helps you know what you should say and what you shouldn't say to yourself. And, you know, you shouldn't be giving unrealistic messages to yourself, but you should be giving positive, healthy encouragement to yourself. And, and watch for that negative self-talk. It's amazing how often it pops up and how almost all my clients I have to work on is observing, noticing negative self-talk, and then shutting that down and refuting it, stopping it. Totally. That's so true and something I think a lot of us can relate to and great tips we can all take away from this podcast. So what role does depression and anxiety commonly play when it comes to self-esteem issues? Well, it's a huge issue. Um, it's hard to feel good about yourself if you're depressed or anxious. They both affect how you view yourself and they both affect how you view the world. You know, I've actually struggled with depression most of my life. I've been on antidepressants since 2007. And it's so funny, in my, I guess, my pride as a therapist, I've tried multiple, multiple times to get off my medicines, and it's not worked. And my psychiatrists have just kind of giggled at me, like, Grant, when are you just going to accept that this is reality and this is your brain chemistry? And so I want people to know out there that it's okay to be on medicine. You know, it's if someone had um, any other kind of disease, if someone had low sugar, you know, people should take medicine for that. You know, if there's something wrong with their brain chemistry, it's okay to, for whether depression and anxiety, obviously to be in counseling, I think is helpful. But it, as I think of depression, it feels like walking in mud and everything seems hard. And so it's hard to feel confident in yourself when you just feel down, you feel you have no energy, you feel you have no um, oomph or motivation. And so as we counsel depressed clients is we try and make small, realistic goals. You know, if it's as small as getting up on time and brushing your teeth, if it's as small as I'm going to read a chapter of a book or I'm going to take a walk around the block is, and then you can build on those goals because the problem with depression, again, is, is the the motivation and so if you can do small achievable goals they may seem really small and trite but they're not they build on each other once you walked around the block maybe you walk around two blocks and then you walk around three you know if 
you've now brushed your teeth, now you get all ready. And, you know, um, and so, you know, part of building self-esteem is doing the behaviors that we're proud of. And if you just do the behaviors you're proud of, you'll end up feeling better about yourself. And with anxiety, we just feel out of control. And um, you can you can tell yourself, A, well, I've dealt with life up till now, and I'm okay. Um, we get so anxious about things. But the funny thing is, is we rarely remember what we were anxious even two months ago. And I'll ask clients, I'm like, what were you anxious about two months ago? They're like, oh, I, I have no idea. I go, but, you know, probably two months ago, it seemed like life and death. You know, and the funny thing is, is what you're anxious about now in two months, and you think it's life and death, you're going to forget in two months. And so with anxiety, we get this huge fear that there's this huge world out there that's out of control. And in many ways, the world is. What we can control is ourself. And so with anxiety, you know, kind of talking when I was talking about external locus of control and internal locus of control, with it's very easy when you're anxious is to look at the world and say, I can't control it. But guess what? You can't. And anxiety will try and control. And then the more you try and control and fail, the more anxious you become. What I try and teach my clients is internal locus of control is what about yourself can you control? You can control your attitude. You can control your thoughts. You can control your behaviors. You can control how you react to things that come at you. And if you can just look at how you're going to choose joy, how you're going to choose contentment, how you're going to choose um, gratitude. Gratitude is a huge thing that changes anxiety and really helps us is realize, you know, what do you have? You know, anxiety talks about what we don't have. Contentment talks about what we do and what we've accomplished and, and how far we've come so far and, and the blessings we have in our life. And so oftentimes that can help with anxiety. So yeah, anxiety and depression both um, have huge effects on our self-esteem, but also our self-esteem can have effects on anxiety and depression is if we have confidence in ourselves, in our abilities that look back in what we've done before and know that, you know, whatever comes next, we'll be able to handle. Totally. That's all great and important information to remember when we face anxiety and depression in our daily lives. So with the digital world we're living in, a lot of us are glued to our phones constantly, especially the younger generations. Do you think social media or someone being attached to their phone affects their day-to-day social skills? Oh, completely. Um, I mean, first and foremost, social media is not reality. And even when you know it's not reality, it still affects you. People put their best faces on. They put they show their best moments of vacation or whatever food they're eating or you know whatever political stance they have and. There's just, there's so much negativity when it comes to all the politics and all the different beliefs. And there's so much just pretending and putting our best things on there. And so we think, you know, there's something wrong with us because we don't have these vacations or foods or, you know, house or car that other people have. And we become discontent as well as there's so much noise and opinions and anger. It's easy to get discouraged that you're like, wow, everyone seems uncivilized. You know, when realistically the uncivilization is probably only one to five percent of our population, but it, you start thinking, "Oh my gosh, everyone's mad about everything." And honestly, I've been off Facebook for thirteen months, and it has been wonderful. Um, I'm more at peace. I'm more at content. I'm less worried. I'm less depressed. Um, I'm just dealing with the people I know and love. And you know, obviously, I still pay attention to the news and what's going on, but. Um, being off social media and being, you know, even just being off the the screen all the time has been helpful is we're made to interact with humans. 
We're made to be with humans. And that's part of why COVID has been so hard is we're all been stuck at home. And humans are made as social creatures. We're made to be in community. We're made to see each other. And I, I praise God that we have Zoom and that we have all these different things that we can do and that, you know, even our practice, we have telemedicine because it's better than nothing, obviously. But, you know, still being with other humans is, is by far better than being in front of a screen. And I think sometimes even being in front of a screen, you feel more confident to be mean or confident to put something out there that you wouldn't put out if you were just standing in public. You wouldn't be screaming about this, that, or the other thing. And so there's almost a self-control issue that helps that a lot too. Totally. I couldn't agree more. Sometimes social media isn't always realistic and it's important to remember not to compare ourselves to what we see on our phones every day. So thank you, Grant, for the great information and insight into how to build self-esteem and confidence. We'll see you next week for another episode of Find Hope, Live Well. Thanks so much. That's going to do it for today's episode. Visit stenzoclinical.com backslash news for helpful tips on parenting, relationships, managing anxiety, battling depression, and more. You can also find us on social media with the handle at stenzoclinical. If you enjoyed our show, please be sure to leave a review. As always, thank you for listening.